Good morning. Welcome to Word of Life Chapel. Would you stand as we sing? I'm going free. Go on and speak against my borrowed innocence. The judge is my defense. I'm going free. Right when the gavel fell, I heard the freedom bell ring through the heart of hell. I'm going free. I'm going free. I won't go back again, that's just not who I am. Lord, I'm a brand new man, I'm going free. It's paid with grace and hope, it's gonna lead me home. I'm going free, I'm going free. Glory, glory. before we go to greeting time. If you have not signed in your children this morning, this is the first week that all classes have to be signed in. So there's a sign-up sheet right outside the doors. If you could do that during greeting time, that would be uh, wonderful. Today, the pickup for the kids is actually going to be in the basement as they're working on their Christmas stuff, right? That's exciting and great. So just so you're aware of that, um, but now just take a moment to turn around, give somebody a hug, and welcome them to Word of Life Chapel this morning.
One night God told Abraham to count the stars in the sky. Though they could not be numbered, so shall your seed be multiplied. Years passed as he waited, looked more impossible each day. But on many starry nights, he looked up in the sky and said through eyes of faith, I'll keep counting stars. I'm holding on to the promise God made. The answer will come in his time, though right now he seems too late. My miracle is on the way, though I've been waiting for so long. sight. I'll trust him through the night and keep counting stars. By faith he kept believing as the months and years passed by. But he could not hold back the tears. The day his little boy arrived, it was worth all the waiting as he held his newborn son. And as he looked up in the sky, I'm sure he must have cried, my miracle has come. Are you standing on a promise? Are you weary and confused? Some nights it almost seems The Lord's forgotten about you But the God who spoke to Abraham he knows exactly where you are. He's not a man that he would lie. Keep looking toward the sky and keep counting stars. I'll keep counting stars. Oh. Though right now he seems too late My miracle is on the way Though I've been waiting for so long Till my faith turns into sight I'll trust him through the night 
Thank you, Gene, for the reminder of, uh, of God's wonderful promises. A couple of announcements that uh, you need to know of this morning. Uh, Operation Christmas Child, today is the deadline to return those shoe boxes. So uh, if you haven't done that already, um, try to remember to do that sometime today. Um, also, poinsettias. Today is a deadline if you want to purchase uh, one to be placed here in the church uh, over this Christmas season. So um, make sure you fill out that form and make sure someone receives that. Also in your bulletin this morning, there's an Awana announcement re regarding the purchasing of uh, Christmas gifts uh, for children, the Awana children. Uh, there's a sheet in there. It gives you a lot of instructions, but um, if you want to give a gift to one of the Awana kids, um, look over that, and that'll help you to uh, understand what needs to be done. Take your hymn books, if you would, please, and turn with me to hymn number 37. Uh, Gene spoke of uh, us being faithful to God, and this speaks of the faithfulness of God himself. Great is thy faithfulness, hymn number 37.
John Good is on your prayer list. It says that he's in the hospital. He did come home on Thursday night. John had a few issues and spent uh, almost two weeks in the hospital, but he's home now. Uh, as he described to me, he's uh, moving a little bit slower. Uh, things don't happen quite as fast as he would like, but nevertheless, he's home and he's doing okay. But you pray for John. Uh, he does have some recovery, but hopes to be back with us next week. A couple of other folks on your sheet uh, we continue to pray for, and uh, I hope that you do too. I hope that you use these prayer sheets to uh, remember those that are uh, in need, those of, uh, that need our petitions and our prayers, um, and so use this as, as that prayer guide. Fathers, we come before you this morning. We thank you. We thank you, Father, that you are a God who we can approach. Father, you tell us in your word that we are to come with boldness and with confidence before the throne of grace. And Father, we do this morning only because we come through Jesus' name. Father, we come through the mediator between God and man. Father, we cannot approach your throne in ourselves, but Father, we come through Jesus and in the power of your Spirit. Father, we thank you for this day. It is a day in which we come together as a church. But Father, we also recognize that it's Veterans Day, that Lord, this is the day in which we honor the heroes, the warriors, those that put on the uniform. Father, those that have made great sacrifices, some paying the ultimate sacrifice, others sacrificing the time away from family and friends. There are so many ways, Lord, that we want to honor our veterans this morning, and we want to remember them. We want to remember those, Lord, that chose to serve. Those, Lord, that went many places in the world, fought in wars. Father, we thank you that there were and are those men and women who were willing to give up so much so that we might be able to be here this morning and worship you in spirit and in truth. And so, Father, yes, we come here to hear your word and see you and your beauty and glory. But, Father, we also want to remember those men, those women who have done so much to allow us to be here to worship you. Father, we think of John Good this morning as well. We uh, certainly pray that you would heal him and help him to be on that road to recovery as long as it may take. But Father, we miss him and we pray that very soon he might be able to join us once again. Father, I, I, I saw several come through the door this morning who were limping, had these walking 
casts on their feet. And I, Father, pray for them. They may not be on our list, but, Father, they're struggling right now with some physical issues, as well as, Father, many on this list. Many things, Father, we aren't even aware of that are taking place within the people of this congregation. Lord, we commit each to you. But we have come here this morning, Lord, to worship you. You are our God, our great and mighty God. And Father, we're thankful that you are who you are, a holy and omnipotent and omniscient God, the sovereign one, the ruler of all creation. You are worthy of our praise and worthy of our honor. So, Father, we humbly bow ourselves before you once again. We come before you, asking, Lord, that you might speak to us in that still, small voice. Father, we want to hear from you today. Change us to be more like your Son, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we continue with our worship this morning, I, I'd like to ask if, if you have served uh, in the military here in the United States of America, would you please stand that we can recognize you this morning? seated. Thank you very much. We are so thankful for each and every one of you. And as Pastor Bob mentioned, we are so thankful for that freedom. Final breath upon 
is now alive in me. Your name, your name is victory. Our praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. Our praise will rise to Christ our Spirit, I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. By your Spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. The resurrected King is Tomb where soldiers watched in vain was borrowed for three days. His body there would not remain. Our God has robbed the grave. Our God has robbed the Your name, your name is victory. Our praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. Our praise will rise to Christ our King. By your Spirit I will rise.
Satan should buff. Sing this next part with victory. We have victory in Jesus. Is near to the cross, and I bear it more and praise the Even so, it is well. 
sit on the throne so it is well with our soul in Jesus name amen you may be seated Well, it's great to be great to be back in Halifax. I, I tell you what, the traveling, um, I love traveling. I love getting on a plane and flying and sleeping in an airport for all you those on a missions trip. I don't like that part, but I do like traveling. And um, but but traveling by myself was very different than traveling with my wife, right? When we got married and, and began to travel oblivion. It's very different. And then you add in a baby, and it becomes even more different. And I'm getting to the point now where I'm starting to think to myself, I don't like traveling. <laughs> but I used to love traveling. It was one of my favorite things. No, it was great. Um, so thankful for, uh, for that trip and, um, and what, what we got on the one plane. And uh, Nehemiah spilt his milk all over the person sitting next to us. <sighs> I tell you what. <laughs> Sarah and I both... I just wanted to disappear in that moment. You ever have those times you just want to disappear? You wish you could just like sink back into your seat and nobody could see you, but it was, it was great. It was a great way to start the trip, right? Start the trip. All right. This guy's going to smell like rotten milk when we get off this plane. So when we were headed to Bolivia, um, I was asked right before we left, they said, Tony, could you preach when you come? Can you preach when you come? At uh, the International Church, which is the church that... Uh, my family attends, and, and Tito and Dilma and Ivana and Cindy, when they're out there, they'll go to the international church sometimes. And those of you who have been to Bolivia, uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and so I said, sure. And I was trying to think, what, what should I preach? Because I knew that when I came back, I was also going to be sharing here this morning. And the, the Lord put this sermon on my heart. And I, and I, I preached it about two years ago here. Um, so it's, it's going to be a little different than two years ago. But, but when I was, I was going to Bolivia, the Lord kept putting this on my mind because I actually wanted to share something different. But, but this idea of, of where is your hope found, right? Where is your hope found? And, and I didn't plan um, with Gene this morning for that song. I tell you what, the Lord's amazing, isn't he? And the way that he works those things out. Let me, let me start out by asking this question. How did we get here? Have you ever asked yourself that question before? How did I get here? When Nehemiah spilt his milk on the person next to us, I thought, how did I get to this place? How, 
How did I find myself here? How did I get to this point? Those questions that every once in a while we ask ourselves when we find ourselves in the valleys of life. Think with me over the last 18 years of your life. Let's go back to the year 2000. Remember the year 2000? Right? It feels like forever ago, doesn't it? Somebody say yesterday. feels like yesterday. Y2K, end of the world. And we're all sitting here today, aren't we? We're all sitting here today. But you know, a lot has happened in 18 years. A lot's happened in the last two years, one year. Maybe for some of you within the last month. But over the last 18 years, there has been a family business that shut its doors for the last time. There's been uh, somebody that lost their job that expected to have that job forever and retire with that job and, and have all of their pension, but it went away. Or someone who went into the doctor for a regular doctor's visit, a checkup, and received a diagnosis that they never dreamed of. There's a judge that signs the name of a couple to a divorce document who a couple years ago thought they were going to be together forever. It, it, it's not just, just those, though, but think about where the world is today. Evil seems to be running rampant. Think of the entertainment industry, Hollywood, movies, music, that's corrupting the minds of so many people today. I mean, if you think about things that you would have watched and listened to 10 years ago, how much has that changed today? Because you've allowed things to come in little by little, justifying little by little. We see so many natural disasters, floods, tsunamis, war-torn areas, children left without parents. If you watch the news today, it's rare to find a story that's encouraging and uplifting. It's rare to find a story that brings hope to your heart. When you put everything together, it really makes it seem like the last couple of years have been horrible. But we're not stopping there, don't worry. As many of you know, life, life is tough. It goes without saying. Life is tough. Some people go through things in their lives that other people can't even dream about. But every person in their life has hills and valleys, good times, and really, really difficult times. Look what Jesus says, John 16, And this is how we have to start this out. Because we need to come to an understanding that in our lives, there will be valleys. There will be valleys. Here's what Jesus says. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. It's a guarantee that in your life, you will have trials and sorrows. There will be difficult times. You will find yourself in the valley of life. There's nothing you can do to avoid every valley in your life. It means that life is not always going to be the way that we hope it's going to be. Some people believe that following Jesus means that you know, when you become a Christian, all of a sudden, all the difficult times go away. Not biblically true whatsoever. Some people even teach that, and it's false. Jesus says we will have 
trials and sorrows in our life. Many trials and sorrows in your life. This morning, we're going to look at the book of Lamentations. If you have your Bible with you, could you open to Lamentations chapter 3? I thought about doing a sword drill for this because how many of you have read Lamentations in, in, recently, right? It's hard to find. It's hard to find. It's a little tiny book. It's right past Revelation, right past Revelation, right? Just kidding. You'll be looking forever. It's right past Jeremiah, right? Right past Jeremiah, right past Jeremiah. Let me give you a little bit of history into what's going on here in the book of Lamentations before we start reading. It's a very small book in your Bible. Tradition says that it was written by Jeremiah. The author isn't named, but we believe that it's Jeremiah that wrote the book of Lamentations. Even though Judah had been warned, they did not turn from their ways, which led to the destruction of Jerusalem. Jeremiah had warned them. This book of Lamentations takes place after the destruction of Jerusalem. Instead of Jeremiah celebrating that he was right, he's in mourning. His heart is broken. Let's look at what the Bible says in Lamentations chapter 3. I am the one who has seen the afflictions that come from the rod of the Lord's anger. He has led me into darkness, shutting out all light. He has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and flesh grow old. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and surrounded me with anguish and distress. He has buried me in a dark place like those long dead. He has walled me in, and I cannot escape. He has bound me in heavy chains, and although I cry and shout, he has shut out my prayers. Exactly what we expect to hear, right? No. He has blocked my way with a high stone wall. He has made my road crooked. He has hidden like a bear or a lion waiting to attack me. He has dragged me off the path and torn me in pieces, leaving me helpless and devastated. Sometimes when you're going through the valleys of life, you feel helpless and devastated. He has drawn his bow and made me the target for his arrows. He shot his arrows deep into my heart. My own people laugh at me. All day long they sing their mocking songs. He has filled me with bitterness and given me a bitter cup of sorrow to drink. He has made me chew on gravel. He has rolled me in the dust. Peace has been stripped away and I've forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Guys, in our lives, we all go through valleys. Jesus says that we will have trials and sorrows. There will be difficult times in our lives. What, what Jeremiah is describing here is brutal. See, the valleys in your life, they don't come based off of your race or your political party or your gender, right, or your age. Valleys in life come to everybody. They don't discriminate. The fact is that we all go through different valleys. It's inevitable to have valleys. And, and some valleys in our lives we place ourselves into. Some valleys we put ourselves into. 
Judah had a chance, but they didn't turn back to the Lord. Some valleys are inevitable. Jeremiah did all he could, but he finds himself in this situation. The ESV.org, it gives three reasons why Jerusalem fell. Here's what they say. Because of the people's sins, they rejected what God told them through the prophets, and their leaders led them in the wrong direction. Judah did not turn from their ways back to the Lord, and now they find themselves in this situation. But I don't want to look at Judah this morning. I don't want to talk about Judah this morning. I want to look at Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah did everything that Jeremiah could do. Yet he finds himself a witness. To the terrible things that happened. See, there are some valleys in our lives, brothers and sisters, that happen without us doing anything wrong. I think oftentimes we walk through the valleys in life, we always want to know why. Why am I here? Why do I have this diagnosis? Why is my marriage falling apart? Why is this going on and this going on? And maybe in your heart, you have done everything right before the Lord, but you find yourself in this place. Maybe not. Maybe you're like Judah. But maybe you're like Jeremiah this morning. Again, let me remind you of this. Jesus speaking, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Why does he tell us this? So that we can have peace. Now wait, we're going to keep going because just because you're going through the valley of life doesn't mean that there isn't hope and doesn't mean that there isn't peace. See, the reality of it is, brothers and sisters, that many of us, many of the family of God go through valleys that nobody knows about. You know why? Because we put on what's called our Sunday morning mask, our Sunday morning face. I think everybody's guilty of doing it at least once. If you're not, then you'd shake somebody's hand at greeting time and say, listen, today has actually not been a very good day. But you don't say that, do you? Right? How are you doing? Wow, today is just great. I did not want to get out of bed this morning, but I'm here. I just got news from the doctor yesterday that I'm not in good shape, but I'm doing wonderful. My family's falling apart, but man, it's great to see you this morning. Our Sunday morning face. We're good at hiding the valleys of life that we go through. We're good at carrying the weight of our shoulder, the weight of all of that on our shoulders and not letting anybody know about it. And that's why I believe this morning that there are people in this room that are going through journeys in their life, struggles in their life that nobody knows about. And it's weighing them down. Maybe you're beginning to ask yourself, how in the world did I find myself here? How is my business in this situation? How is my family in this situation? How am I so far from God? How is my marriage in trouble? Just a little while ago, everything seemed perfect. Now everything seems to be a disaster. See, valleys in our lives are unpredictable. They're inconvenient, and oftentimes they feel devastating, but they are inevitable. They happen. 
If you look at what Jeremiah is going through here in, in Lamentations 3, he, he's almost like a war reporter in what he's reporting. He's saying, people, listen, people are dying and starving in the streets. This is what he's watching, what he's seeing. If you look at Deuteronomy, it points to this. It actually talks about children being eaten. I can't imagine that. People were dying by famine and by the sword. The people, people were led away into captivity. He cries until he can't cry anymore. Something he will never forget. It's burned into his mind. This is what Jeremiah is seeing. This is the valley that he's found himself in. I think as we walk through the valleys of life, we often ask ourselves the question of why. Why does God allow us to go through this? God, why am I here? And the truth is, we don't need to know the answer of why we're in the valley that we're in. That's one of the greatest things is that we know that there's a God who knows exactly why we're in where we are. And we can trust in that. But one of the reasons that we go through valleys is to grow. There's a, a, an old saying. It says, the sun sh all sunshine and no rain makes a desert. All sunshine and no rain makes a desert. Now, we're in Bolivia, right? There's in Cochabamba, the city I grew up in, there's, there's rainy season and dry season, right? There isn't fall, spring, winter. Actually, it kind of feels right now that we have two seasons here, doesn't it? With the way how cold it gets and then how hot it gets. And, but, but, but there's two seasons, right? It's, it's rainy season and dry season. So all rainy season, rains all day long to the point where everyone's like, stop raining. And then it stops raining. And the sun comes out and everybody's all excited. It's just like summertime or, or spring and it stops snowing for those of you who don't like snow. But then it doesn't rain for a long time. And what happens when it stops raining? Everything that was green, that was growing, now starts to die. Without difficult times in our lives, there isn't always growth. James 1 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Again, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind, troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. That's not easy to do. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to what? To grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Growth is a biblical concept. We are to be growing spiritually, right? The Bible talks about us as, as infant Christians, right? You're not supposed to become an infant Christian and remain that way for the rest of your life. You're supposed to mature in your Christianity, continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord. This verse is saying that every trial, every purpose that you go through in your life has a purpose. There's a reason for it. We don't know why. And even when we think we know why, we might not even know the real reason why. Because there's other things going on. 
But God has a purpose for what he's allowing you to go through. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. I don't have it on the screen. Let me read it to you. It says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. Beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. What's God doing in your life? What valley are you going through? And how are you responding to it? See, every problem has a purpose. The tiny ones, the ones that you view as inconsequential, inconsequential, the ones that view as just a mere irritation, those have a purpose in your life in developing who God wants you to be. God can teach you character. He can change you. He can mature you through those valleys that you go through in your life. Oftentimes when you talk to someone about their testimony and where they go through, it's in the valleys of life that they talk about the faithfulness of the Lord. God's just as faithful on the mountaintop but he's also just as faithful in the valleys. We sang the song, It Is Well With My Soul. Horatio Spafford, person that wrote the song. You know the story of Horatio Spafford? Let me tell it to you if you don't, and if you know it, you can hear it again. He was a wealthy Chicago lawyer, had a thriving legal practice. He had a beautiful home, a wife, a son, four daughters. One day, the Lord took his son away. His son passed away. Just a little bit after his son passed away, the great Chicago fire destroyed almost everything that they had invested in as far as real estate. They lost their son and all their real estate investments. Gone. About two years later, uh, Spafford scheduled a boat trip to Europe to give his wife and, and daughters a much-needed vacation. You know, sometimes when you go through the terrible things of life, you just have to get away for a little while. And this was a while after. This is about two years. But he scheduled his boat trip, and, and something came up at the last moment, and he was not able to be on that boat with them. And, and many of you know the story, but a couple days later, they didn't have cell phones, right? You know, they, didn't have, they didn't have email. He receives a telegraph saying that the boat had an accident, his four daughters had drowned. So you have the loss of his son, his real estate investments, and his four daughters. And I'm sure in the life of his children, those real estate investments didn't matter whatsoever. But he lost basically everything. And he quickly gets on a boat to go and to see his wife, Anna, who's over in England, grieving, her heart so heavy. And when he's on that boat, he writes the words that we sung not that long ago, and peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. See, God, I don't understand why I'm going through this right now. I don't understand why you've allowed it to happen. But I'm going to trust that you're good. I'm going to trust that, that in your promises. God, I don't know why my family members passed away. I don't know why I lost all my investments. I don't know why the doctor just told me that I have terminal cancer. I don't know why my job has felt like I am in just a terrible place every single day, and I dread it, and it's caused other problems in my life. But God, I'm going to trust that you are good and that you are in control. 
You know, as, as Jeremiah writes the beginning of Lamentations chapter 3, he doesn't stop there. He says this in verse 21. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. I still dare to hope when I remember this. So think about what Jeremiah has seen real quick and everything that he's went through because we, we, don't want to make, we don't want to make his valley seem like it's inconsequential because what he's going through, he had warned Judah about this and they did not listen. And now he's watching children die, starve, people being killed, led away into captivity. But he says, through all of this, I still have hope. And for the believer, there is always hope. There's always hope. Here's what he says. I still dare to hope when I remember this, that the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. See, life's valleys, they have a purpose. And oftentimes we don't understand that purpose, but we can rest in the fact that we serve a God who does. The overall point of this chapter, the book of Lamentations, isn't, isn't that things are terrible, but it's that even when things seem dark and hopeless, there is always hope in the Lord. No matter what valley you found yourself in, you have to ask yourself the question, where do I find my hope in the valley of life? If you find your valley, if you find your hope in your strength, your finances, in somebody else, in your athletic ability or your intelligence, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Because all of those things will let you down in your life. Your strength will fade one day. Your finances can disappear with the crash of the stock market. The person that you've put all your hope in, they could go to be with the Lord in the blink of an eye. Your marriage could struggle. Your athletic ability could disappear with one broken bone and your intelligence could fade with one disease. There's only one thing in your life that is completely constant, that never fails, and that's the Lord. Where is your hope found this morning? Jeremiah knew where his hope was found, in the valleys of life. The, the, what Jeremiah has experienced is inexplicable. I can't explain it to you. What it must be like to watch a child starve on the streets. To watch children being eaten. Cannibalism. And somehow through all of this, through all of these terrible situations, Jeremiah finds hope. And where is his hope found? It's found in the one who is constant. In the Lord. See, our hope, brothers and sisters, is in the promises of God. Knowing that God is always good, he's always faithful, always righteous. God is love, and that nothing can separate you from the love of God. 
We have to remember the promises that God gives us in his word. Through every valley, we say to the Lord, Lord, I don't know why I'm here, but I know that you're good. Let me look at a couple, just, just two quick uh, promises in closing. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4, here's what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, who comforts us in the valleys of life, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You're not alone in the valley. In the tunnel, right? Sometimes people talk about it as a tunnel. You just look for the light at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes when you're in the valley, it looks like there's no light at the end of either tunnel. Maybe you have bills that you can't figure out how in the world you're going to pay. The Bible says that God, right here in 2 Corinthians, he comforts us in all our affliction. Here's another verse, Romans 8, 28. And this one's very, very common. Sometimes I think it's taken out of context, and we'll talk about it real quick. But, and we know that for, the, for those who love God, <coughs> all things together work for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Oftentimes in our lives, and as we want answers immediately, God, why am I going through this? God, help me get out of this. I don't want to be in this anymore. It's terrible. But the reality of it is that we grow in the valleys of life. We don't know why we're there. Maybe you've done nothing to put yourself in this valley, but you find yourself here. What is God trying to teach you? What can we learn through this valley? See, Romans 8.28 doesn't mean that if you're walking through a financial valley in your life, that all of a sudden, a million dollars is magically going to appear in your BB&T bank account. Some of you work for another bank. You're thinking, well, if you, if you banked with us, maybe, right? Amanda, there you go. No, it does not mean that. It doesn't mean that if you walk into the doctor, all of a sudden, your illness is going to be gone. Because in our lives, we do have trials and sorrows. Instead, what this means is that we can trust that through every valley of our life, through the darkest days, God is still working. God is working. Every second, God is working to complete his plan. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. See, God is always good, and he knows exactly what you need to accomplish what he has set out for you. You might think you need a million dollars, and God says, no, I'm going to give you exactly what you need. You might think that you need health, and God's going to say, no, I'm going to give you exactly what you need. You might think you need a new car. And the Lord says, no, I've given you exactly what you need. When you walk through the valleys of life, no matter how big, no matter how small, no matter how dark, remember that there is always hope as long as that hope is in the Lord. 
Would you pray with me? God, we're so thankful that we can be here. Lord, that we can, we can sit here today in a free country. Father, we're thankful, as Pastor Bob mentioned, for those who have served. Father, we don't live in fear of having our doors broken down. Father, we can declare your name publicly from a stage, read your word, own copies of the Bible in our home. And we're thankful for that freedom. Lord, there are some today who are walking through valleys that are darker and deeper than anybody can understand, anybody knows about. Father, they, they wear their Sunday morning face, not trying to be deceptive, but because they're not exactly sure what to do. And Lord, I ask that, that you would help those people to remember that through the valleys of life, there is always hope in the Lord. My hope is in the Lord who gave himself for me. Lord, would you remind us of that hope today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor Bob's going to come lead us in our final hymn. And it is this hymn that reminds us of what Pastor Tony just spoke of, uh, reminds us where our hope, where our hope lies. So let's stand together and we'll sing all four stanzas of this great hymn as we close. Father, no matter where we find ourselves, we, we know, Father, we know that our hope lies in you. Help us to trust you. Help us to have faith in you to see us through those storms of life. In Jesus' name, amen.